Hallelujah. It's good. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. It was good that we had the children in here today. We were blessed, weren't we? Amen. Today is Christmas at the chapel. And that's even this evening. Boy, look forward to that. We have some great food that is planned and, and time together. Uh, you know, there, there's just something about the Christmas season that, you know, for most of us, most of us that aren't titled the Grinch, we love Christmas. And, uh, you know, I just I look at this set and all the work that was done. I think it was Lisa, Kristen, and Justin, and Sabel that did that. Let's give them a hand. And and also that <laughs> for years, other people have set up Christmas trees. And this year, Gwen took it upon herself. She said, you know what? I want to set up the Christmas tree. So because she has never done it before, she went out into the place where we keep it outside in the shed. And she hauled in the Christmas tree. And she began to put it up. And she called home and she said, how big is the Christmas tree? She had got this 13-footer out by mistake that's in the back of the sanctuary. And she started putting it together. And I remember uh, Sherry Davis has done that before. And we, we did it up here. And it just seems like they just keep multiplying the branches as you're putting it up. And pretty soon uh, she sent a picture and she called in reinforcements because... Mark Miller and Luke Miller were called in to active service and one of them was standing on the banister and the other one over here was on a ladder and Gwen then was playing snoopervisor as it went up. And uh, I was positioned very securely and comfortably on uh, the recliner at home as she sent pictures. Uh, and, and I said, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. How, how's this guy look? The guy that helped set it up in the bath. So, I mean, all the things that go in, and I know that you probably have your house decorated, and um, for all of you that have it decorated out in the yard, and all the deer, and the reindeer, all that, you're making me look bad. That's all I'm going to say about that. I have some solar lights that we put out that, uh, yeah, that's about our Christmas decorations on the outside. One is decorated on the inside, and you know, just that there, there's something, you know, that just I love Christmas. Um, the, the children singing with the worship team. And and I tell you what. Whew, let me tell you that that was amazing. Did you hear that guitar solo? I tell you what, I, I thought it was a, a back a soundtrack. And I looked. Oh, no, man. He was bringing it down, man. He was bumping off. Man, he was doing it at Christmas time. There's something about Christmas, too, that we kind of anticipate possibly things happening that other parts of the year we don't anticipate. That's being part of a family get-together. Uh, you'll be around people more at Christmas, typically, than other times of the year. And I'm talking more than just maybe your immediate family that you live in the same house with, but... Maybe you'll have grandma and grandpa over or a niece and nephew and and, and at work you'll you'll get together in parties that maybe you just don't have during the year, get togethers and, and and there's something about being around people 
that, that we have relationship with. And there's something about being around people that, can we just be honest? Sometimes it's tough being around people. Not just our immediate family, but our grandma and grandpas and our nieces and nephews. And does anybody know my brother-in-law? You know what I mean? And it's through those times of the year where we are around people that we can kind of get a feel of where we are in our spiritual walk. And we begin to kind of say, you know, there's some things that I need to work on. And and sometimes we as believers and Christians, we're kind of a notch above, right? And, and, And we look at that and we go, whoa, whoa, something. We got to work on some things. And if there's anything wrong in our physical body, we have to almost have surgery to, to remove that, to, to become better. And, and sometimes it, it's kind of offensive for a doctor to say, you know, you need to do this. And th- this morning, it, as we end this series entitled The Unsettling Solution for Just About Everything, we've been talking about grace. And uh, I, I just got to admit that this is a sermon that I've kind of been like, oh, I just can't wait to get it over. Because, you know, when, when, you, when you're in my place, or if you're ever a public speaker, you have to present something, you're more aware of it. And we've talked about the reticular activating system wherever, you know, you, you buy a black truck and nobody has a black truck until you have one. Then you notice everybody has a black truck. So when you're preparing something to preach, all of a sudden you realize what's going on in your own life. And, and you know, when we talk about grace it's so unsettling. Can, can I tell you, uh, do you know what you call a group of people that are lying, cheating, greedy, covetous, lustful, porn-watching, tax-dodging, racist, jealous, judgmental, lonely, angry people who eat too much, spend too much, drink too much, medicate too much, worry too much, smoke too much, who gather together because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they need more light? You call that the church. Now this morning, if I didn't use your word, maybe you just would like to yell it out right now, but let me just warn you, it might be a word that, or a time where it would be offensive to you is almost as offensive of reading that list. And what I wanted to do this morning is to bring us to a place that some people will say, you know, Pastor, I'm offended. And I don't want to offend anybody. But when you read the Word of God and you read it on its merits, and you don't try to jump around and dodge, sometimes it'll bring awareness in our life that we need to correct. And in correcting that, then we begin to have a breakthrough in our life that we've been looking for maybe for our whole life. Because one thing I do know that in our life we get tired the older we get and we don't really want to push, you know, to become better if that's whatever, doing a better job at work or, uh, you know, maybe looking better physically, exercising. Pastor, <laughs> quit stepping on my toes on that one. But, but there's something about reading the Word of God that gives us the insight to be able to know that there's more for us in our life if we'll allow the Word of God to speak to us. It can bring frustration 
especially when we talk about the unsettling solution of grace. You know, the one of the most famous Christmas songs called Hark. What? All I said is hark, and it comes to your mind. Hark the herald angel sings glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. What's the next passage? What is the next line? God and reconciled. The whole story of Christmas is about grace and how Jesus came to this earth to offer and extend grace to us when really we shouldn't expect it and we definitely didn't deserve it. You know, a lot of times people look at the church as an institution rather than a group of people. And when they do that, they don't see that the group of people we all are, that we are imperfect people with different views and experiences that we go through in life. And when we realize that, that we realize that we come back to that we don't agree on everything. And you might have went to a church that everybody said, well, we've got to agree on everything, and if we have any disagreement on anything, then we're not Christian. That, that's not true. As believers, we might not agree on everything, but we do agree on two things for sure. And that is that God sent His Son into the world to die on the cross for us and offers us grace, extends that grace to us to save us, and really save us from each other, killing each other. And also the ability to then, the second thing, is to extend that grace to somebody else. That's the rub. Because I don't know about you, but I can receive grace, and it's kind of refreshing to get the grace. But when I have to offer it from, to somebody else that's done me wrong, that, that's disturbing. You think Pastor John's perfect? Don't ever ride with me in my truck on I-35, 5 o'clock. I don't understand. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? I want to title this sermon. <laughs> That's perfect. We're just family here. But enough of that. No. <laughs> because you can be on I-35 in the middle of rush hour, and somebody will come up speeding when the exit's about there to get in front of you to slow down. Huh? Come on now. I can preach that. Come on. But when it's us, and we're in a hurry, and we've got to exit before that person because the stoplight's going to turn. I know they're going to go slow, and they're going to keep me okay it's okay grace different views and experiences but we agree that not only god has offered us grace but we have to offer grace to somebody else in those times now this morning the word grace it's kind of like when you think about it it's kind of like oil in a machine or in an engine you know, that the amazing thing about a, a car engine is the friction that actually is there on purpose, but the oil is there to keep those parts from rubbing together and really just destroying it. And when you think about it, that's what grace is in our lives. That in the middle of all the things that we go through and people that, that we know, grace allows people that are not like each other 
to like each other. Think about it. And, and really, the, the cool thing about Christmas is that Jesus came to actually model that. To actually give us a way of looking at grace in a way that we never ever could imagine without it. Really, when you think about it, God and sinners reconciled is the whole story of Christmas. You can be right without grace, but you can't be reconciled without grace. And aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come just to be right, but to make things right? I love that. And, and grace becomes amazing when we exhibit grace to somebody else. We will never be more like our Father, God, than when we exhibit grace to somebody else. I, I love to be around somebody that is full of grace. And it, it really, when you think about it, it's our invitation to be amazing. You know, a lot of times you'll see media ads out there of how you can be amazing. But let me tell you, there is nobody more amazing than the person that can exhibit grace. And, and I don't know if there's a body language that actually can demonstrate or you can see as grace. I think there's a body language that's like of love that you can see somebody and you go, man, they just radiate love. You know, this this last uh, weekend I went to a college graduation. Um, uh, we are so proud. Ashley, Ashley graduated this uh, semester and she's pushing on to get her doctorate in psychology and and uh, just very, very, you know, proud. But I'm there and, and we go out to eat with her family. And she has, I believe her, it was her cousin and her name is Hannah. I don't know anything about Hannah, but she was a picture to me of grace. You know why? Because she had this look on her face that was smiling and just very pleasing. Does anybody know anybody like that? In the whole time that was we were eating, I just kind of look over at Hannah and she's just a smiling away. Just there was something about somebody that, that you know somebody's personal appearance that doesn't have grace, don't you? Huh? You, you can go, what do you see in this posture? No grace. It might be green, called the Grinch. No grace. So, so this morning, I, I just want us to get into this because here, here's a time in the believer's life and, and and to extend grace to somebody else can be so unsettling. And Jesus comes to earth and he's walking with a group of people. And, and it could have been just like us that are believers, we're followers. We are people that have decided to make Jesus Lord and Savior of our life. And if, if you've done that, just think if you were a disciple on that day and you're walking with Jesus around and he's, he's going, yeah, let me let me teach you something. I didn't know that. And what he was doing was trying to change the person, their frame of thinking into something supernatural that never was taught before. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easier to learn something new than it is to unlearn something that we thought was true and it wasn't. Can you imagine all those people that thought the world was flat until Christopher Columbus said, Wow. Unlearning that had to be a booger. So here's Jesus and he's walking around and he's teaching and he's, he's turning really the, the church world on its ear because or before the church, but the, the uh, 
the belief of Judaism on its ear because here's what he says to a group of people that are there. These are people that are right there. And so many times as he taught, people would be like, well, what? Tell, tell us the story. And they go, what? Because we, we all know the sin of commission, the things that we shouldn't do, that we actually did that was wrong. But we sometimes downplay the sin of omission, which are the things we know we should do that we're not doing. This is the posture. I'm not doing that. I know I should be doing it. I'm not doing it. And here's a passage of Scripture that is probably one of the most offensive things as a Christian. It's almost like Jesus had a way of You'll know what I'm going to mean when I read the passage, but it's almost a sucker punch. Whoa, what was that? And as a believer, we read this, we can, we, we, we can be offended or we, we can choose to follow. So are you ready for this? Watch this. In the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 3, it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Did, did everybody get that? Let me say it again. Jesus is speaking about grace and he says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? This is not a joke. I don't know if Jesus had a smile on his face, but he was making a pretty strong point. T today, I've, for your entertainment, I have brought a bag of like sawdust. Th this, I want you to appreciate the, the visual art that I brought here this morning. Look, look, sawdust, well, really, this is coffee shavings, but anyway, sawdust is very fine little pieces of wood compared to. A big piece of chip of wood. This is the whole piece. Jesus is saying, so many times you're looking at a brother that has a problem going on in his life and you're going, look at the little sawdust that he's got a problem. When Jesus goes, you've got a whole board in your own eye. Now, now this morning, th this is something that's not easy to stomach as a believer because you go, wait just a minute, and as a pastor, you'll, you'll talk to people and they go, whoa, 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 just a minute, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Pastor, we're, you're talking about apples and oranges here because it is no speck in my brother's eye. You didn't know, but he's a Democrat. <laughs> I was dropping some things off at his house and he had on CNN. <laughs> or maybe he's a Republican. You didn't, it's not a little speck in his eye. He's got something big. He's watching Fox News every minute of the day. He's a white politician. He's a black politician. He's a, she's a Muslim politician. I, it's more than just a speck, Pastor. I'll tell you. And maybe for some of us, it's even more personal. We'll say something like, you know, you, you don't know, Pastor. It's more than a speck. You know, you know, he, my father, left his family, me and my brothers and sisters and my mother, and she had to get two jobs and, and make it all the way through. And, and, and now that he's old, he wants to come back. And now he's sick and he wants us to take care of him. It's more than a speck. Pastor, it's more than a speck. They're, they're, a, 
they're a pro-lifer or a pro-choicer. This is bigger than just a speck. And all of a sudden people began to, to reason. You, you just don't understand. And second of all, Pastor, let me tell you this. I don't have a plank in my eye. Uh-uh. I can see clearly reality of what the world is. See, there's a lot of people that just can't see like me, but I've got it together. I'm a Bible thumper and I get it. I know. And, and you know, as you begin to talk to them, you begin to say, well, you, you don't think that there's any influence on your life as far as your upbringing? Maybe a, an, your environment that's around you that got you thinking a different way? Or, or maybe your experiences or education or health? Or, or maybe it's the success that you've had in your life. A lot of times people see things a little bit different because of the success or failure in your life or insecurities, or the opportunities that you've had or not had, or your IQ or your EQ. You don't know what EQ is. Maybe it's because of your IQ, but that's another story. And people begin to reason. You don't understand. It's not that I have a plank in my eye, or I, it's not just a little speck in his eye. I've got a reason to be upset. I want you to hear this. Because a lot of people think, well, perhaps Jesus wasn't talking about me. But listen to it again. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye. In other words, he's saying, you're saying to your brother, I see clearly. Let me tell you how to do this. I know how to do this. Let me take it out of your eye. I'll help you. When all the time there's a plank in your own eye. Now, now watch this. He says two words again I've dealt with all week. He said, you hypocrite. You sinner. You fall shorter. You did it on purpose, sir. You did it on purpose over and over. Do you know why God can extend grace to us even though we have a imperfection or imperfections in our own life? Because God knows everything about you. Everything. He takes into consideration your upbringing. He knows that your father left you or that you were put in a school that was hard on you. He knows your environment that was around you or your experiences that you had with people. Your education that you thought that would put you in a different place maybe than it did. Or your health. Or your success. And, and a lot of people can't handle success. God, God knows about your failures, your insecurities. God knows about the opportunities that you had or that you turned down. He knows about your IQ, your EQ. He knows everything about you and takes that into consideration and He says, I still offer you grace. Now 
when, when I look at that passage and, and I know that he offers me grace in the middle of my imperfections. You know, Paul did an amazing passage of scripture on this. In Romans chapter 5. And here's Paul and he thinks of himself as the chief hypocrite, the chief sinner. And he says it this way, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, when you've heard that many times, it rolls in one ear and out the other. But when you think about it, Paul is literally saying that as he's writing it. And what I'm saying is that he was a sinner in his sins. He could say that when I when Jesus was on the cross, I'm north of Jerusalem sinning. And he's dying for my sin while I'm still a sinner. You know, if I could paraphrase it, and Paul was writing that for us today, for us today, believers just like him, years, thousands of years later, it would say the same thing, maybe just a little bit of a different way. So I want, I want you to see this. Listen, but God demonstrated His own love for us in this, knowing ahead of time the sins we would commit. The sins that we would confess. The sins that we would repeat. The sins that we would confess again. Christ died for us anyway. See, and at Christmas time, we get locked in the thought of maybe baby Jesus, but to realize that He would become a man for the purpose of dying for our sins to give us grace. It's more than just saying, you know what, this Christmas I'm going to be more nice. You know, my stepfather's going to come over and I'm not going to cross my arms once. I'm not going to say anything about my aunt's creamy potatoes. Succotash potatoes. I won't be nice. This isn't a message about just being nice and doing things nicer. See, see, Jesus says that there's a prerequisite in offering grace, and it's this get it out. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then here's the transition. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There's something about planks that get in the way of grace. Can I say it again? Planks get in the way of grace. And we all have to fight. All of us, first of all, need to realize. Can, can I put it this way? Jesus in that passage of Scripture says it so well. You can say it shorter by this. Got planks? You got planks in your life? I don't see anybody moving. Maybe. We all have planks. And when, when I understand how much God has asked us to be people of grace. Can, can, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is going to help the people that have lived their life good. And feel like that sometimes people become so irritable. Or you become irritable because of people. I see it on Facebook all the time. The more that I know people, the more I like my dog, my cat, my cow, whatever. 
But write this down. The more aware I am in what God has yet to do in me, the, the more that I get involved in the things of God, the more that I... Here it is. You might think it's legalism. I don't. The more I'm at church and hear the things of God, the more that I involve myself in a small group, the more that I'm at home and doing my own Bible study and my own quiet time with God, the more I'm aware of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am of what He has yet to do in you. I could say it this way, the less disturbed I become because what God has still to do in you. This is unsettling, isn't it? Come on. Isn't this something that kind of hits a nerve inside of us? Try to, try to preach this sermon when your family's sitting in the auditorium. Because we get to the place where we can see the speck in their eye. And I sure know if anybody else, it's all their fault. Come on now. And here's Christmas where grace comes to earth and walks among people. And in spite of all of our imperfections, all of our sins, that he offers his life as grace to us. Amazing. And when you think about it, listen, God was more broken hearted over our sin than he was put off by it. He didn't take sides, but he came alongside. And, and there was never a time where he would really get against people except those people, you know, that, that were trying to live a life of a graceless religion. They had forgot the need of grace in their life and all they could see is because of the plank in their own eye, they couldn't see any kind of grace in somebody else's life. Can I bring it to conclusion and just ask you this? What are you full of? Can I say it a little bit better way maybe? What comes out of you when you're shaken up by somebody else? When someone pushes your button? When somebody says something that pretty much reflects something that's going on maybe in your life? The church will be the most appealing when grace is apparent to people. Because when you invite people to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, or you invite people even to the church, it won't be because of something that Jesus said in the Gospels. Usually it's because of some experience they had with other people in a church setting. And, and when we get to that place where we're so thankful for what God has done in our life and we begin to work on our own life, all of a sudden, then we get to a place to exhibit grace into somebody else's life and we come alongside of them. I, I'm not saying, and let me, hear, let me just make this clear so that everybody can hear me. I'm not saying that somebody sins and just says, I have no desire to live and follow Christ. I'm talking about the person that says, I have no clue of where I'm at. I, I need life in my life. That we come alongside them as believers and we say, let us offer you the good news of Jesus Christ. 
We offer grace when they say, I, I can't live that way. Say, congratulations, either can I without grace. You know, as I said, that I know that at the Miller House we have Christmas tree lit and we got all the decorations and and hopefully you do too because that's part of the fun of the season and like tonight our Christmas party and we'll get together and shake hands and slap backs and hey, 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 you know, all that good stuff. And But are you ready for grace to come to town? In a time that we sing about joy to the world, and do you know this is one of the most depressing times of the year? For especially, not just, but especially non-believers. And when grace comes into that picture, it illuminates in a stronger way than any time of the year, in my opinion. Because there's something about knowing that Jesus is the reason for the season and the reason is grace has come to earth. So, so let me end with this. We know that grace is an unsettling solution to about everything in our life. We know that it's something that's going to take an effort on our part. Because if we walk in the flesh, we know how easy it is. Get out of my way, you traffic idiot, you know. We know that it's hard to have somebody cut line us at a grocery store, at a department store, all the things that go on. But this is the solution to about everything. In your marriage, in your relationship with your children, in your relationship with your boss. So let me offer us a, a possibility that you might not have thought about this year as giving a Christmas gift. If you offer grace to somebody that doesn't expect it and probably doesn't deserve it, somebody that's been in your life that has done you wrong, you'll never be more amazing and more like your Father God than when you do that. I want to challenge you to personally, verbally, behavior-wise, offer grace. You don't have to say, Uncle Bob, I forgive you for all you've done. Because Uncle Bob might not even know you, he did anything wrong. He might. But it's in the attitude of action of love that forgiveness is displayed and grace is given. Do you see what I see? <clears throat> and God could say that because there's nothing in his eye to keep him from seeing clearly. And as this year ends and we go into 2020 and, and 2020 vision, we're going to be talking about things in our life to give us a future and a hope. And this is one of the most important things that you can do. In the first step of that. Let's pray. Father today. God you have offered us grace. And Father we know that those that are here. That have never received grace in their life. They've never asked for forgiveness. 
God by just the attitude and the behavior of verbally saying, God, would you forgive me of my sins? And God then believing in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead, that they would be saved. And Father, in receiving that grace into our life, Father, in receiving that, God purposely acting upon what you've given us, that we are forgiven. And Father, you've asked us then to forgive somebody else, to, to give grace to other people that are around us. And Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters that are here would realize that that's not an option. But God, that is your desire as people that have chosen to follow you. We say, yes, we will do that. No matter how hard it feels or, or all the consequences that might follow God, we choose to be followers of you and obedient to your word. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.